Hi, I'm Glenn Broggett with this very special interview, and there is a fantastic new documentary that's set to arrive in theaters here in the month of April. The name of the documentary is The Lost Weekend, A Love Story, and it explores not only the 18-month deep relationship our guest had with John Lennon that began back in 1973, but we also get to know this person's life and how she is more than just a reference to a significant part of a former Beatles life and career. This is a woman who was working in the music industry before this whole Lost Weekend idea came about. This is a person that wrote books, and I mean, she is a mother. She's done it all. She's a human. And this movie really, really gets a strong rep- gives a strong representation of not only what happened in the course of those 18 months, but really gets us to know this person who sometimes gets that other woman treatment. This woman is very, very much still active today and doing her thing. And she's uh, taken some time out of her schedule to talk with us about her document- docufilm, The Lost Weekend, A Love Story. It's so wonderful to welcome May Pang to northwestern Minnesota and northeastern North Dakota. Hey, you don't even have to travel up here in the snow. <laughs> and we didn't have that much snow this year on our side. I'm on the East Coast, you know, back in New York where I grew up. Uh-huh. So we had very little this year. I mean, half, if we had half an inch... That was that was a lot. I don't think we even made that. <laughs> <laughs> I have a buddy up in Portland, Maine, who got way too much snow. He said he goes, it's like living back home again. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, you know, my son actually lives in uh, St. Paul, and uh, he got hit with a lot of snow. And, and <laughs> just He's said, just still getting hit down there. I know. And I'm just getting, I'm sitting there going, oh, well, okay. I'm lucky this year we didn't get anything. I Listen, I like the idea of snow, but I also don't like the slush that comes with it out here, you know? So. No, 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 not at all. And uh, yeah, if you ever go visit your son, yeah, come in the like late spring, early summer, before between uh, before the snow or uh, before the snow starts up again and before the uh, humidity and mosquitoes. Oh, oh, oh. I'm just giving I'm you a fair warning. To that. Oh, when is that again? What are those days? What Probably, are those yeah, months? yeah, yeah. Okay, for, okay. We only get like says we have like nine months of winter. Okay. Oh June, yeah, yeah, yeah. Late June or, or early to late May, early June. That'd be probably a good time for you to check it out. Well, you know what it is. Um, right now we're coordinating. Uh, my uh, my friend Scott and I are co- coordinating my photo exhibition tour, and I said we got to hit Minnesota, you know Minnesota, and he sure. goes. And he said, uh, you're not getting any arguments from me. Apparently, I did not know this, but he's from Minnesota, Minneapolis. So I said, oh, my goodness. Oh. So, uh, it's, so it's I get a chance. Be. It's meant yeah. to be here, lady. It's meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> my son is so thrilled when I told him, I said, I think I'm going to head out in your direction. And he goes, oh, great, Mom. Yeah. I'm going to have to remember that. But we got to talk a little before we get into your, you know, the other great stuff that's in your life and career. This movie was, oh, man, it, it grabbed me. And it, I mean, I have known about this, you know, a music fan follows the history, has respect for the history. You know, this Lost Weekend thing, you know, it, it was always referenced as a point in time of John's life and career where he, you know, he was away from Yoko and he was with you. But the thing is. This Lost Weekend thing is just, after I watched it, it doesn't really give much true meaning because in those months, it became more of an awakening for him in certain ways, and it wasn't lost. He he found himself to a lot of things and a lot of people and a lot of different stuff. I mean, this was a, a, a big significant part of not only his life, but again, your life. I know it's true. I mean, when you know this al- uh, this album, can you imagine this is where I'm going? Um, this movie, you know, started six, about six years ago. Mm-hmm. This is not something that came up 
you know, like a year or two. Um, I I felt it was time, you know, for it to, to finally set the record straight. Even though people say, oh, you know, you, you put out a book, you, you've done it. I said, yeah, but, you know, not everybody read the book. And now in this day and age, people like to see the visual. Mm-hmm. So with the with the help of three um, people uh, that were very special, Eve Branstein, Richard Kaufman, and Stuart Samuels, and each person brought something different to the table, they made this film. I gave them carte blanche of my life. Uh, I, didn't, I did not uh, micromanage any one of them, obviously. <laughs> uh, I told them, I, I said, go ahead and do it. I mean, obviously, after I see it, you know, when it was done, then, then we could talk about it. And if there's anything that I want to change, then, you know, they would, they would be accommodating. But basically, everything is what they wanted to put in and make the movie from their understanding so that people understand it. You know, I could say something. And they would say, yeah, but people wouldn't understand because it, it would be too long to get to that spot. Mm-hmm. So I really had to rely on them to form the story for me, yeah. you know, so that everybody could understand it. Yeah, and, and they did a fabulous job. And they really, I mean, it goes, I mean, it's not just merely that time you spent with John. Because I like the way they, they, they got to tell your story. I mean, you your story even before the whole Lost Weekend stuff. You were you were a kid growing up. You were uh, a first generation Chinese uh, American with your Chinese immigrant parents growing up. Uh, how does how does this young girl uh, barely barely out of you know, what you were nineteen? You weren't even quite out of your teens. I mean, you were very ambitious from what it sounded like and from what was viewed in the movie, but. You got yourself in the rock and roll business. Uh, you found your way to Alan Klein, of all people. <laughs> I mean, good Lord. When you think about guys that had presence in the business at that time in the late 60s, it was Alan freaking Klein. The guy had his fingers in everything from Sam Cooke, Cameo Parkway, to the Stones and the Beatles. Uh, talk about this moment uh, in finding yourself to this opportunity because this was like the, the getting the golden ticket of sorts because it really took your life from black and white to Technicolor. Absolutely. I mean, there's no two ways, but I, I tell people, I said, I couldn't have had a better learning curve on this one. I mean, I, I went into publishing, which I always loved, mm-hmm. uh, even though I was a, 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 you know, what is it, uh, a gopher in one sense, you know, you learn everything. I didn't know anything. And I just sort of said, but I understood music and that made me happy. So I went in there with um, an open mind, willing to work, just doing anything I can just to just to grasp all that, you know, around me. And to think I was dealing with, uh, uh, you know, the royalties department, then you're dealing with the individuals. And then Alan Klein gets, uh, you know, this, this, this company called Apple Core Limited <laughs> as, as, the, uh, as a, business, a business administrative person managing that company. I was thrilled. I mean, to think in the publishing you have to think, I got Sam Cooke, which was CAG's catalog. You had the Cameo Parkland, which you said. We also had the Stones. Yes. He was also managing the Stones at the time. And then, let's see, and then we got Apple and, and the individual Apple Publishing. And then the, he also managed uh, the individuals of, like, uh, this guy named John Lennon, uh, let's see, uh, George Harrison and Ringo Starr. Oh, those young guys. Those young guys. So it was, it was all that going all at the same time. And um, I learned a lot in this business. And I just love 
just you know just working on it uh, handing out the licensing i mean uh the the song something which was written by george i mean that got that was asked almost every day there was a new license coming in that you know people requested they wanted to perform it it was it was great so much is said about yesterday but something really is one of those songs that has you know been recorded so many times or just been interpreted by so many people through the years absolutely i mean something was close to i would say close to yesterday yesterday was recorded a lot um because i have in my possession was something that that john didn't want and uh, and I said, oh no no, you're not throwing this out. And he started laughing. I said, okay, go keep it, whatever it was. <laughs> it was a, a thing from um, uh, BMI, because that's where they belonged, and they were as songwriters. And it was the eighth year. I think it was number eight. I can't remember. And it was the eighth year that it was yesterday was the number one most recorded song, in you know, and uh, and it says and for yesterday certified to John Lennon. So it was kind of you know. And we all know that it was a Paul song, and I just thought, you know, this is too good to to just throw away. So I have it hanging in my uh, in my room. How cool is that? I mean, yeah. you're working for Alan Klein, and then you you find yourself in the orbit of the Beatles and the orbit of of John Lennon and Yoko Ono, uh, getting yourself involved uh, with those guys in those early years. What was that? Uh, what was that like? I mean, because I mean, you're already experiencing so much. I mean, your eyes must have just couldn't close because they were so bug-eyed from all these these experiences and tasting all of these things of life. But what was uh, your those early uh, instances with with John and Yoko for you? It, you know, those early days, it was uh, fascinating. You know, you were going, oh, my God, they're here. I'm, I'm really working with them. You know, and you're, you know, the first thing I'm, I'm learning to do is make up these, make calls to these people that I read about. You know, you're talking about uh, uh, Andy Warhol or Jacqueline Kennedy and, you know, and you're calling them up because Yoko wanted to make two movies, uh, Up Your Legs Forever and, and uh, Fly. And uh, but the first movie, he's just get them down here to see if they would come and donate their legs for peace. <laughs> and I mean, you know, you, you're just sort of going, "Am I calling these people? These are real people." That's a you heck know, of a sell to try to get in and try to get going. I mean, okay, legs for peace. How am I going to yeah. work this? Well, you know, you had to go and say hi. I'm, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm uh, May Pang from uh, from John and Yoko's office, and Yoko is making a movie. Huh. And uh, she would love for you to donate your legs for peace. All we need to do is have you show your legs uh, from your toes to your thighs. I mean, I'm, this was like, it was ingrained in me by, by the end of the day talking to different people. <laughs> You're like a telemarketer sort of thing. <laughs> Absolutely. That's how I felt. You know, it was, it was very interesting. Uh, you know, when you finally get somebody on the phone or their assistant and you're giving the info. And then there were other people uh, that was around me that went downstairs and outside the building and they're trying to get people off the street to come up to do it, you know, because she wanted 365 pairs of legs. <laughs> so it was kind of an interesting, I did not do it, to be honest. I, I got a little nervous. I was like, oh, I was too shy for that. I was, <laughs> I didn't want to do it. But some other people did, and they showed more than their toes to their thighs. And so <laughs> I just started to laugh. I said, no, I can't be part of this. I'm no, too, no, no. You did, all the, you did all the legwork on the phone. That's where the legs went. Yeah. And that's exactly <laughs> it. Because they were saying, okay, who did it? Who else didn't we shoot? And I'm, I, the, I was working with this other guy, Paul, and he said, no, no, go, go. Six o'clock, you could leave. Go. 
So now you're in this inner circle with, with, with John and Yoko. You're working, working projects, you're doing things. Uh, about the point, you know, this, this relationship was starting to fracture. And now yes. John and Yoko were, were falling, falling apart. And you get into the, the whole thing of Yoko proposing some sort of arrangement was just something that it, it put, I don't know, it, it just, I, I cringed a little bit because you were so young and you were, I mean, you were a fan and you also work for these people. You, you were really put in such a position right away where it's like, what am I going to do with this? This is a lot on my, uh, emotionally going to potentially emotionally on my hands and what it became. Yeah. Well, by the time, by the time. She asked that question of me and, and sort of said, uh, you should go out with John. Uh, I had been with him for three years. And this is something that was just uh, not even a thought about in my mind. You know, I'm, I'm happy just to work. And I think when people see the movie, they'll see that. That's all I cared about. Yeah. Um, you know, that was something that uh, may have been in her mind, but it wasn't in mine. She saw that I balked at this whole idea, and I just looked at her like, no, I'm not interested. And she's going, oh, but you'd be perfect. I said, no, I'm not. You don't understand. So this was a fighting situation. So when she got up and she said, okay, she goes, I think it is. And then she goes, and you should. And she walks out of the room. I'm sitting there. Um you know, just not understanding what just happened, but tears are streaming down my face, sure. going, oh, my God, what just happened? Because all I want to do is just work, and now this is something that's not work. And You're like a piece in her game sort of thing. Yes, and it, I mean, and if um, there's a lot that knows, and even John didn't even have a clue this was going on. This was not something he was aware of either. So it, it got to, because we, we talked about it much later, you know, and the reason that I ended up going out with John was not because uh, because of her. It was actually because John himself decided, he goes, okay, it's, if this is the way she doesn't, she's, she's going off in a different direction and we're, we're going in different directions, then okay, mm -hmm. then I'm going to go ahead. And, and it was something that was organic, you know. Yes, again, it was not it, something, yeah. It was not something that said, okay, yeah, I'm going to jump for it. Both of us were were really um, taken aback. He wouldn't come out of his office when he was, when she finally told him what she had done. I wouldn't come out of my office. I mean, we were just like, uh, you know, and we uh -huh. were supposed to be doing mind games. This year is the 50th, how weird can it be? But we finished and it's and it's now being shown. It's uh, um, across uh, the the country on 50 years it's actually 50 years now yeah. wow and again what a period that this 18 months was because not only mind games was out uh i mean john got to work with phil Spector on that rock and oh, roll the rock sessions roll, please. Oh, oh my god the people that were involved with some of these recordings and you know a character like phil with his odd ways of control with the firearms my God, this had to have been something else. I mean, for you who to see, uh, you know, not only because you weren't heavily into like the narcotic scene and all of that no. and alcohol, you got to see this with a clearer head than most. But it had to have been like you had to wonder, like, did somebody drug my drink? Where am I? What's going on with this? This is interesting, but kind of mad at the same time. Some of those recording sessions had to have been, I mean, not only with rock and roll, but Harry Nielsen with Pussycats, too. Well, you know, at, at least Pussycats, John had more of a control on it. Uh, you know, it was harder to control uh, Harry 
because he was he was his own worst enemy. You know, John would say, "You got to go and 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 do your acupuncture and and heal yourself." And he managed to go every day when he was supposed to be doing it. And I don't know how. Uh, to this day, I still don't know how. Uh, but he um, at night would just undo everything that was done. And um, I'm just, you know, I am just happy that he had, uh, you know, Una, who was around his, you know, his wife, mm-hmm. his then wife, and, and just to, to help him along. But he was uh, just sort of semi out of control. And when we came to the vocals, John says, I can't have this. We got to do this back in New York. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so he took Harry back to New York. And at least if, if they're going to get in trouble, he knew how to control it there better than L.A., where he didn't know where Harry was, if he went out. And- That's widespread madness out there with all the people, the temptations and all the elements that are that is Los Angeles. That's, that is Los Angeles. Right. Yeah. So in New York it was a little bit more. Uh, it was a controllable situation. And uh, I, I was I stayed behind. And I, I then left to go back to to New York about two weeks later, a week to two weeks later. And I remember John saying, okay, I don't know what's going on, but you're not leaving this room because <laughs> we shared a hotel uh, suite with Harry. And he goes, I want you to stay here. <laughs> I, you know, I got to go to the lawyers and, and you need to sleep and I don't want anything, you know, going on out here, you know. So uh, it was it was quite uh, a, a maddening time. But it was it was uh, we got the record done. We got to meetings, and you know, I I did my thing, you know, where it was just making sure everybody had to do what they needed to do, and as I did in L.A. Well, yeah, making, because you absolutely had your 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 set of skills too. I mean, that that helped out a lot on these records as well. I mean, you can't shortchange yourself on that one bit. You're you're in the damn liner notes. <laughs> <laughs> I know the one the the best one was probably the rock and roll where he calls me Mother Superior. <laughs> <laughs> I just love this whole the dynamic. I mean, you went through the good and the bad and the ugly with John too. But one of the things that really I I think is just so wonderful and so great that he was in the film on camera, and you can just see the bond between you guys still after all of these years was having Julian Lennon appear because one of the things during this period of time that you had a very good hand in was uh, helping him connect, especially with, with, with his son, because it was a lot of things, a lot of hoops to jump through, I think. It basically sounded like beforehand, but it just seemed like when you and John were together, Julian started to get a little more, uh, I guess there was some comfort to a degree to getting to know his dad. I mean, that the whole thing about Paramount Studios, that picture with the Happy Days crew. Good Lord, this is like some really wonderful, warm stuff. And you look at these pictures and you must just still get a little bit of a fuzzy feeling. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that was just early on during his visit. And, you know, I was like, I feel like camp counselor. You know, you say, (laughs) okay, what can we do? Um, And, you know, John was very nervous, uh, obviously, because he hadn't seen Cynthia. And uh, that trip was really a very uh, good trip because it was a healing trip. And I needed, I wanted uh, very much that uh, uh, John and Cynthia to heal the, 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 the problem they had had after the divorce and, sure. you know, in the way it happened. And, um, and I thought, what a good way. They, they finally were able to talk to each other. And for, so, and future times when Cynthia or John called and, 
when she would, you know, when or he would hear her voice, he wouldn't get upset because he didn't know how to deal with it. He was not good at dealing with things like that emotionally. So I stepped in to, to make it uh, as a buffer and make it easy on all fronts. Mm-hmm. And so it was great that we could have Cynthia with us when we went to, for the first time, taking a, a young Julian to Disneyland, you uh-huh. know? And it was great for him, you know? And, and of course, uh, he had a great time over at... Um, at the Paramount Studios when we landed. We were walking into different places and just happened to be happy days, you know, and they didn't know we were coming in. And we just said, oh, is this what's going on? You can see the look <laughs> on everybody's face like, oh, my God. Listen, listen, you have the Fonz, but we have John Lennon. Yeah, but here's the best part. So afterwards, we went there. Not many people know this. On the same lot, there it was the odd couple. So... We oh, went crazy. And John loved the odd couple. And we went and we sat in uh, for one of their ep- We actually sat there and uh, was, you know, watched it and watched an episode and as they were filming with an audience and everything. <laughs> oh, man. Did he, did he, he, he didn't get a chance to meet up with Klugman or Randall, did he? Oh, yeah. We said hello to them right after, <sighs> you know, after. The- <laughs> Oh, that must have been just such a trip, I mean, to to be able to just kind of mingle around with these people, check out a TV taping, you know, walk on the set of Happy Days. It was was good. But, I mean, it was so good because it was you guys together with Julian and Julian feeling, you know, Julian and Cynthia feeling welcome again. Having that sort of making a connection because, you know, when relationships splinter and and break up nasty, you know, sometimes it's the kids that suffer the most. But having, I mean, again, I tip my hat to you because this was a thing that needed to be done and you found a way to do this and do it naturally, wasn't forced. And that's, again, you could see that with you and Julian in this film. Oh, it, um, you know, it was, it was wonderful that I can get that done. You know, I just, I... I wanted them to have the closure they needed. Mm-hmm. And this, and you're right. And, you know, the person that suffers the most is always the kid um, or the children and whatever. I know what it's like because it happened to me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, all the different things that go on. So you don't want that to always keep carrying on. No, no, you don't. You know, we're going to wrap up things here because I don't want to keep you. I know it's a whirlwind uh, talking to everybody. I don't want to <laughs> keep your ear, but I, I honestly think you know, I, you know, if you ever have some time to free it up, if you're going to be promoting uh, your, 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 your my, art. My, my, your, my, besides the film, which I want everybody to go out, you know, they can go online to see if it's close by them. You know, the, what was it? They can go on the lostweekendtickets.com Correct. or, um, and it's, and it's going to be, Everybody's, uh, the, what was it? The view date is April 13th. Yep. And or, and right now I'm setting up uh, also a photo exhibition tour across the country as well. So I'll, I'll let you know. Absolutely. Keep. And let's, uh, let's expand the time limit the next time because I know uh, you've got such a great history. I just want to hear about the times you've worked in the industry, both, bef- you know, in the 80s as well. I mean, you've got a great story to tell. And thank you for sharing because The Lost Weekend of Love Story is a documentary that, oh, Man, I tell you what, it, it made me a little weepy at the end. Thank Aww. you so much to May Pang. May, you're such a lovely soul. It's been so wonderful chatting with you. Thank you. Thank you for having me, and I will be back. For Pioneer 90.1, I'm Glenn Broggett.